We are on Yevamos towards the, the last line on Tzadi Beis and Beis 92b. Moving on to 93a, Tzadi Gimel Amid Aleph. And so now the Gemara sort of takes a shift in its discussion and discusses now another major topic. We've been discussing the topic of uh, false witnesses and uh, what happens if there's a ruling based on those witnesses and then we find out that they were false. What happens? Uh, what are the repercussions to that? New topic now. Uh, essentially, the Gemara quoted a Brisa, quoted really a Mishnah, that discussed the case that's called Makna Dover Shalobala Olam. It was a case about uh, creating some sort of change, status change, transaction with something which doesn't yet exist in the world. So, for example, the cases that we saw were cases of of a marriage, of getting married. But what, let's say either the husband or the wife is not yet Jewish. Or let's say the wife is married currently to somebody else. So basically getting married now, and it should take place once her, once her husband dies or once they get divorced. Um, all these different cases is the marriage cannot take place now, but you are setting it in motion for it to take place at a later point in time because right now it's not possible. Or we'll see... Uh, various cases where the thing does not yet exist in the world. Right now it doesn't exist in the world and you are creating some sort of transaction for something which doesn't yet exist in the world. Now this is a big machlokas. This is a big dispute whether or not a person could perform such a transaction. Could you perform a transaction uh, with things that currently either they don't exist in the world or they're not yours yet, even if they exist, but they're not in your possession yet. And so let's say you want to sell something which is not yet in your possession Will that work? Will that not work? Uh, why would you make the argument to say that it does not work? So there are two two potential reasons that are given. It's, it's discussed amongst the leader commentators. Uh, either it could be because you don't really have, because it's not yours yet, or because that status doesn't exist yet. Uh, so therefore, you, 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 aren't, you are not taking it as seriously uh, as is needed. And so therefore, you don't have, you're not, uh, you don't have complete das, complete awareness and knowledge and Willingness to really go through such a transaction, even though you're saying you're willing to go through that transaction, but from a halachic perspective, from a legal perspective, we say that that's not sufficient. That's one approach. The other approach is that no, it has nothing to do with what what you intend to do. It's just the way transactions work according to halacha, according to Jewish law, is that you can only perform transactions which things that currently exist and are also in your possession. If they if they don't currently exist, so then you cannot perform. Um, that transaction. Also, if, it's not, if they're not in your possession, you cannot perform that transaction. So the way we came onto this was because we quoted a certain Mishnah, the Mishnah about marriage, where it assumed that it, will, it cannot take place, um, the marriage will not take place if you're not able to get married right now. We wanted to suggest that the author of that Mishnah is Rabbi Kiva. So the right now says, if you're going to tell me that the author is Rabbi Kiva, but we know, don't we know that Rabbi Kiva holds that even though you can't get married right now, uh, it still works. You could you could you could begin that change, that attempt to, to get married, so that it will take place once, let's say, uh, she be she becomes Jewish if she's converting, so, so that you're getting engaged right now, um, so that the engagement will take place once she converts. The moment she converts, uh, perhaps that's a good marriage. The Mishnah said it wasn't a good marriage because it, you can't you can't begin that process if there's no ability to get married right now. Rabbi Kiva doesn't don't we say that within Rabbi Kiva. Doesn't he say other that he holds that it would work even though it doesn't exist right now? 
She's not Jewish right now. It does work. How do we know that this is the position of Rabbi Akiva? Ditanan. We have the following Mishnah. And so what our Gemara is going to do, we'll see, it will be listing many different cases of, uh, of different scenarios of where you perform different transactions when it doesn't exist right now. It doesn't exist in your possession right now. We have the following case. Basically, uh, the wife tells the husband that anything that I make, uh, you are not allowed to get any benefit from. So she basically takes a, a form of an oath to say that, uh, that uh, the husband cannot get any benefit from anything that, uh, from, from a certain amount that uh, she makes. Now, meaning uh, anything that she makes from, from her job, from her work. Uh, in general, we say that anything that she makes, it goes to her husband because her husband, this is in place of the fact that the husband has the responsibility to support his wife. Husband has responsibility to support his wife. And so therefore, in place of that, he receives uh, what she makes. Now, what we are discussing here is a case where uh, she doesn't have the right because the husband gets uh, receives uh, what she makes, the, the amount that she makes. Uh, so he, she doesn't have the right to say that he cannot get benefit from it because it's supposed to go directly to him. But what we're discussing here is if there's extra, if it's not just the normal amount that she makes, but if there's a significant amount more, uh, so then there's the question... Does it belong to the husband? Does it not belong to the, to the husband? Does she have the right to say that he doesn't receive it? That he doesn't, and she, not only does he not receive it, but he cannot get any benefit from it. So this first opinion, the Tanakama, this first opinion says that it does not work. For, she doesn't have the ability to do this. She cannot say that her husband cannot get any benefit from it. From it. She doesn't have the right to do this. And the, the logic behind this, which is not found in our Gemara, but it's found in a different Gemara, is because that too goes to the husband. It automatically goes to the husband. But Rabbi Kiva Omer, Rabbi Kiva says, no. He says that no, that Rabbi Kiva argues, and Rabbi Kiva says that anything which is uh, viewed as a surplus, which, without getting into the specific details of how much, uh, so that does not go to the husband. She keeps it. If she keeps it, she has the ability to say that he cannot get any benefit from it. She has that ability to, to make such a, such a nether, such an oath, to say that the husband cannot get any benefit from it. So the question is, okay, that is a separate discussion about who really receives that extra amount. But in the meantime, what comes out of this is that according to Rabbi Kiva, this is an acceptable uh, oath that she's taking that the husband should not is not allowed to get any benefit from it. But it doesn't even exist yet. We're talking about things that in the future she will receive. She, does, she doesn't have that money right now. She will receive it in the future. If she's going to receive it in the future, so that means she has the ability to, to make an oath on something that she'll receive in the future. This seems to imply, according to Rabbi Kiva, that you are allowed to perform various transactions and changes, uh, get married, uh, even if it doesn't exist right now. It, 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 it will take place once she receives the money, so then it'll come into effect. But you have the ability to begin that process even before she receives her um, the, money, the money that she's supposed to receive. So that's, that's the question that the Gemara has. That it seems, according to Rabbi Kiva, that he holds that it does work. We wanted to say he's the author of a Mishnah which says that it doesn't work. So which one is it? So the Gemara answers, That Rav Huna says that, no, there's a way to get out of it. We find this in other contexts as well. Let's say a person's selling fruit, uh, so, uh, and the fruit don't exist yet. 
So how could they make such a sale? It doesn't exist yet. So the way to change it is by saying that, no, I'm not selling you the fruit. I'm selling you the tree with regards to the fruit because the tree is in existence. So I'm telling you the tree, what aspect of the tree, the tree is in existence with regards to the fruit. So, so to over here, basically you're saying that anything that, that uh, it's about my hands because the, the money goes towards her hands. So my hands are removed from my husband, meaning my husband doesn't have a right to, uh, to my hands with regards to what I make. With regards to, um, you know, my salary or the surplus of that salary, uh, whatever that surplus is, it's not for now. Uh, but but it's really about my hands that my hands now become uh, no longer connected to my husband in, in the sense that obviously in the sense that uh, with regards to what I make or the surplus of what I make uh, does not go to my husband. And so there's a way of this is sort of a way of circumventing this whole problem by putting it on something which does currently exist about something which will come out of it in the future. Um, and so that's how we get out of it. And basically, Rav Huna says that according to Rabbi Akiva, he really holds that you cannot make such a sale. You cannot perform such a transaction. You cannot make such an oath where the thing does not yet exist, or at least it doesn't exist in your possession yet. Um, it will not It will not work uh, according to Rabbi Akiva. Now, and that's how he could be the author of that Mishnah. Now the Gemara now will say, well, wait, wait a minute. Rav Nachman Bar Yitzchak argues. Upligid Rav Nachman Bar Yitzchak. This argue. This is a disagreement with Rav Nachman Bar Yitzchak. Why? The Amar Rav Nachman Bar Yitzchak. Because Rav Nachman Bar Yitzchak said that the following uh, people, the following rabbis, are of the position that it does work to perform such a transaction. Does in fact work, and included in that list is Rabbi Akiva. So clearly, he's of the opinion that Rabbi Akiva argues, uh, and he argues with Rav Huna. He Rabbi Akiva is of the opinion that you could perform such a transaction. So who's included in this list? So this is all a tradition which one rabbi passed down to his student and then to the next student, to the next generation, and to the next generation. And to the list is as follows. Um, it says, Rav Huna Kirav, Rav Huna follows Rav, Rav Kirbyanai, and Rav follows Rabbianai, Rabbianai Kirbichia, Rabbianai follows his teacher, Rabbichia, Rabbichia Kirabi, and Rabbichia follows his teacher, which is Rebbe. The Rebbe Kirav Meir, and Rebbe follows his teacher, who's Rav Meir. Rav Meir Kirav Elazar ben Yaakov, and Rav Meir follows his teacher, who's Rav Elazar ben Yaakov. Rav Elazar ben Yaakov, and Rav Elazar ben Yaakov follows Kirabi Kiva. He follows Rabbi Kiva. All of them are of the opinion. The Amar Adam Makne Davar Shalobal Olam. They are all of the opinion. This is a big dispute, but they are all of the opinion that a person could, in fact, sell something which is not currently in their possession. And the Gemara now is going to go through each of these rabbis and see where do we find that each rabbi held that the, that this uh, transaction, in fact, could take place. And this is, again, one rabbi passing it down to their student, to their student. Uh, so let's go through all the cases. Rav Huna Mahi, what's the case of Rav Huna? We said Rav Huna holds that it does work. To Itmar, because we have the following case, Hamochah peris dekelechavero, if a person sells uh, the fruit of their tree to their friend, and it's not the time where there's fruit around currently on the tree. So they're not selling the actual tree, they're just selling the fruit of the tree. And... Uh, uh, there, there's no, there's no fruit on the tree yet. So Amr Rav Huna Achilu Ba Olam Yachal Achzibo Mishabal Olam In Yachal Achzibo Rav Nachman Amr Af Mishabal Olam Yachal Achzibo And Amr Rav Nachman Modina Di Ishamit Vachil Lo Mafkinan Mina. So in essence, as follows: Rav Huna says that if you make such a sale until fruit come, until the the fruit uh, uh, are uh, are are ripe and and they exist, so then until that point in time, you have the ability to back out of the deal. You have the ability to back out of the deal until 
the point in time in order where the transaction will, will complete itself and, and, and be finalized. But after that point in time, it's a good transaction. And so Ravuna says it would, in fact, work. It doesn't work right now because there's no fruit on the tree right now. But once the fruit, there are fruit, so then it does, in fact, take place. It, it takes place based on uh, what you stipulated uh, months before. And it does work. So we see that according to Ravuna, it does, in fact, work. Rav Nachman argues. Rav Nachman says that, no, even if it comes into existence, you can still back out. The whole, the whole transaction was meaningless. That's the position of Rav Nachman. He holds that the entire transaction uh, was meaningless. Rav Nachman does point out that if the buyer, they could back out. Even if the fruit exists, they could back out. But if the buyer takes possession of the fruit and he eats it, some say even if he doesn't eat it, but he puts it into his basket, so then the court cannot uh, remove it from the buyer. Once the buyer actually takes it, so then that's the completion of the sale itself. Uh, even though they could back out up until the point that time, up, uh, uh, up until that time, they have the ability to back out, even if the fruit exists. But once the buyer actually takes it, so then even Rav Nachman agrees that you cannot uh, remove it from the buyer. Okay, that's the position of Runa. That's the source. That's example number one where it works, even though it's not uh, in existence yet. Number two, Rav. Well, how do we know that Rav holds like this? The Amr of Huna, Rav. Huna says in the name of Rav. Rav says, if a person tells their friend that I don't own this field yet. Somebody else owns the field, but I'm going to buy the field from that other person. The moment I buy that field from that other person, it's going to go, it's going to, go to you. I'm, going to, I'm selling it to you, and, and it's taking place right now. I'm doing this right now. And... Uh, It'll be a sale right now, so that once I buy that field, I don't own it right now, but once I buy that field, it'll automatically go to you. Does that work or not? Rob says, yes, it works. So that's uh, another example. Rabbiyanai Kirabichia. De Rabbiyanai Havale Arisa, De Havamaisi Lei, Kansa De Peri, Komali Shibasa, Ho Yoma Nagalei, Vloasa, Shakal Asir Mipiri, De Besayu Elihu. We have the next case. Rabbiyanai. Uh, who says as follows? Rabbianai, he used to have a an aris who was uh, somebody that worked for him uh, in the field, and they used to bring him baskets of fruit every Friday afternoon before Shabbos. He would bring him baskets of fruit, okay. And uh, whenever he had baskets of fruit, so he would have to also take off meiser. You have to take off a tenth. Um, you have to take off a tenth to give it to to the levy um, in order to eat it uh, to have it for Shabbos. So this week, though, there was a story where one week where the, the, the worker didn't come. He didn't come yet, and so he doesn't have his basket full of fruit. And so Rubiana has fruit at home that he wants to eat, and he didn't take off meiser yet. He didn't take off that one-tenth yet. Until you take it off, you're not allowed to eat it, but he wants to eat it on Shabbos. There's a mitzvah to, to eat on Shabbos and to have good food on Shabbos. He wants to have his fruit on Shabbos. So uh, this person didn't come, so what did he do? Uh, and uh, so what does he do? He um, takes a tenth off. He takes ten percent. He takes off meiser from his fruit, which are in, which are in his house. He takes off the meiser, and so that when uh, his worker comes with the baskets on Shabbos, the basket of fruit on Shabbos, he'll be able to eat all of that because he's basically taking a tenth off of the fruit, including the fruit that's in the basket. But it's not yet his. Right now, it's by the by the worker, and the worker owns it. Uh, let's say, it's, it's a discussion, but let's say, according to the opinion, that the worker owns this fruit. And so it's not his yet, but he's still, he's taking off Meister. He's saying 10% of the entire package 
even the fruit that is not yet mine, uh, that's going to be viewed as miser. And so now I can eat even that which I'll receive on Shabbos itself. So then I will be able to, uh, to eat from, uh, from, that, from that basket um, and from the fruit of that basket, even though it's not mine yet. So that's also a case where I'm, I'm performing some sort of transaction with regards to something that will be mine, but it's not mine yet. So he asks, he asks Rebchia, like Mr. Rebchia, Amalai Shapir Ravadat, he basically asked Rebchia, I said, did I, did, I, did I do the right thing? He said, no, nah, you did the right thing. The Tanya, based on the following verse, Laman Toma Liyira Hashem Lakacha Kol Ayamim, it says in the context of Meiser, so that you learn to fear Hashem all your days. What does it mean all your days? Elu Shabbos V'yamtav. It means including Shabbos and Yamtav, meaning as what? What does it mean including Shabbos and Yamtav? What does that have to do with Meiser? Lamai Helchasa, with regards to what area of law? If it's going to tell me that uh, that you could take off Meiser, you could take off the 10% on Shabbos itself, once it comes to you on Shabbos, so it happens to be taking off 10%, that's a rabbinic prohibition. So, And we're discussing something which is on a Torah level, on a biblical level, so we can't be talking about that. Ella, turning the page, it's Hadi Gimel Beis, Elav Ki Gavna. So it, rather, it's referring to our case, meaning what? Rashi explains that it's talking about our case that when it comes to Shabbos and Yantav, we're supposed to have food that you like. You're supposed to have the fruit that you like. So if you're supposed to be receiving fruit on Shabbos itself, you're allowed to take off Meiser from before Shabbos. You can take off the 10%, even though it's not yours, because you know you'll be receiving it on Shabbos. Part of that 10% could be going on the fruit that you will be receiving, and it works, even though it's not yours yet. So we see from here that it works, that such a transaction would work, the, the idea of Meiser would work, even though it is not yet yours. So just to end off this uh, story, the story goes on, an interesting part towards the end here. He says, are you sure that I did the right thing? Because last night when I, I had a dream at night after I did this whole thing, and in the dream, um, it was read before me, two words. Uh, these two words are uh, a broken reed. And I know in the context of a verse, it means something negative. That means the following... That you're trusting upon the staff of, of this bruised reed, meaning that you shouldn't rely on you shouldn't rely on this. So I, I had in my in my dream that, that I did the wrong thing. So he responds back, no, It's really in the dream it's had a bruised reed in it with regards to a different verse. It wasn't talking about the verse that you thought about. It was talking about a different verse which ends off saying that you should bring forth justice, so meaning that you did the right thing. You followed the ways of truth, and that you did the right thing. Either way, that was the back and forth, but we see that uh, they took their dream seriously, and what came up in the dream, uh, they really questioned whether or not they made the right decision, which that in and of itself is, is an interesting point. Um, let's uh, try to cover some of these other cases, um, and then we'll conclude some more cases of where uh, it doesn't. Uh, you, you make a sale, uh, a form of a transaction, even though it's not around right now. So what's the next case? Rebbe, Rebbe, he says as follows, Tanya, um, that essentially there's a prohibition that once you free your slave, your Jewish slave, so then you're not allowed to work them more. You're not allowed to work them more. What's the case when you're freeing your slave? Rebbe, you're buying a slave in order to free them. That You're going to buy them in order to free them. What's the case? You basically tell the slave that when I buy you from your owner, right away you're going to become free. So we see that you're performing some sort of transaction here, a change, before you actually even own the slave. So before you own the slave, you 
you, you're, you're creating this uh, situation where you're going to say that you're going to free that slave right when, uh, right when you buy them. Um, and in such a case, you're not allowed to keep the slave. Once you make such an agreement, you're not allowed to keep the slave. Okay, another example is Rav Meir. Rav Meir is the same example that we had uh, earlier at the time with regards to all these marriages. Ha'omer li'isha. You tell a woman that you're, you want to get halachically engaged to her after I get lachash sheskari, after I convert lachash sheskari, after she converts lachash sheskari, lachash sheskari, once she becomes uh, Jewish because she's freed, lachash sheskari, after you're married, but I'm getting married, I'm getting engaged to you, so after your husband dies, lachash sheskari, after your sister dies, because I'm married to your sister, so therefore I cannot marry you until my wife dies, because it's your sister, lachash sheskari, after you do chalitza in a mikudeshes. The first opinion says it doesn't work because you can't perform such transactions. But Rav Meir Omer, Rav Meir is part of this whole list that says that no, it does work. Even though you cannot perform such a marriage right now, you can't get engaged right now. But because you're allowed to do this because in the future, whenever it happens, so then the transaction will be complete. The change in status uh, will occur. Uh, next case, Rav Lezer Ben Yaakov. Rav Lezer Ben Yaakov says, the Tanya, yes, I can Amar Rav Lezer Ben Yaakov. In essence, Reb Lazar Ben Yaakov says that if you have a case where you want to take truma, truma is you have to take from your uh, from your produce and give a, a, a certain portion to the kohen. Until you do so, you cannot eat from the rest. But it's you take a certain portion and it should then be masakin, it should clear all the rest of the produce up, and you should be allowed to um, you should be allowed to eat from the rest of the produce. Now this only applies if the produce is in existence. So what you do is you make the following stipulation. You say, I'm taking this produce, um, and it should work for things that are not yet fully developed, meaning it's not a third grown yet. Uh, not fully developed, but minimally developed. It's not a third grown yet. And so you're saying that this should be truma for the things once they become a third grown, so then it should be completed and this truma that I'm taking should work for that produce once it is a third grown. So it's for the future. It's not going to work right now because it's not even minimally developed. Um, but once it's a third uh, developed, the, the produce, so then the truma that I'm taking should work to allow me to eat the rest of the food. So that also works according to Rabbi Lezben Yaakov. And then finally, the last case is what we just dealt with, Rabbi Kiva. Rabbi Kiva did not konem shani osa lepicha in Rabbi Kiva omer the last case is Rabbi Kiva. Again, the case of Rabbi Kiva is the case where um, uh, they she didn't want her husband to have any benefit from some of the money she makes, and Rabbi Kiva said it works. You know it, that, that itself, that taking that type of oath works, even though she didn't make that money yet. Uh, she it's talking about something in the future. It still works. So we have all these different cases. These are all different cases where we have a whole group of rabbis who say that it works. Again, this is a big dispute whether or not it works or doesn't work. Does one have the ability to perform transactions, changes in status, miser, marriage, truma, uh, an oath, all these different cases where um, it's uh, something which cannot take place right now, but it could potentially take place in the future. Could you state that right now, that transaction right now, so that it will take place once uh, it becomes yours, once you have the ability to perform that transaction? Okay, that's the end of this recording. We'll begin... Another topic in the next recording.